Ephesians 3.20. When you've got it, shout, I've got it. All right. I'm still waiting on us to get it. There we go. Shout the first word, please. Unto him who is able. Okay, I got four people in the whole building that believe God is able. Now, let me help you. If we don't believe God is able in here, he, then nobody believes he's able. I thought I was with Holy Ghost filled, Pentecostal, tongue talking, unashamed, full of the power, the gifts, the fruit of the spirit people. So shout again, now, when, when, tomorrow, when, you got cancer, when, you're going to have victory, when, you're going to be delivered from those headaches, when, you're going to get your joy back, when, you're going to get your money back, when. You're going to take your neighborhood back when? You're going to walk into Walmart unafraid when? This always happens. It always happens. You can be see, it always happens after tragedy since 9-11. Now, some... Since 9-11, when, first of all, you know, we got people serving in the United States Congress that were 10 and 12 years old at 9-11. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some wisdom that only comes with life. And people in this generation that are 25 years old, brains not even formed yet. I'm not being critical. The male brain does not come to the fullness of its cognitions until you're 21 years old, 21 to 22 years old. And, and we got babies trying to run things. They haven't lived none. They've got no experience. They haven't been through anything. I want to go to battle with somebody whose sword's bloody. I want to go to battle with somebody that's been there and not only won, but learned how to deal with defeat. I'm just talking now. I'm just talking. Be seated. Be seated. Now. Right now. Now. At this time. At this moment. In this season. Okay, now know where you are. Know where you are. So 9-11... The Sunday after 9-11, we had to put chairs out in the main foyers because of people running to God in the midst of tragedy. 
Now because they are so faithless, they are fearful. She already worshiped enough for you today and I already preached enough for you. If you are fearful, you are faithless. And if you are faithless, you are fearful. Now your Bible said in the last day, two things are gonna happen. There will come a great distinction, a great separation. You can see it because for the last two decades, backslidden preachers and backslidden churches have put forth this soupy ecumenical mixture where everything is a preacher and everything is a church. Everybody is a preacher, everything is a church. Long as they got some kind of cross on the building and say, Christian, you drink the soup. Let me tell you what I believe. For you to stand in this hour, and I'm not, I'm talking about right now, this hour, and I'm also talking about the age. For you to survive and thrive in this moment and in this age, this dispensation, this kingdom, you will not survive unless you are born again and Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, tongue talking. You're not gonna survive. Now if you don't believe that, you don't believe the Bible. Those are the two pillars of your absolute faith and trust in God. There are no others. Everything else is peripheral. And it's astonishing to me what people will trade that for, for pottage. Eternal for temporal. Is anybody in the building with me? So there becomes produced a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is the birth child of the spirit of death. America has been in a love affair with the spirit of death for the last 30 years. Now you're real quiet. We're in a love affair with the spirit of death. It's in our movies, it's in our culture, the bloodier, the more gory, the more frightening. Do you know over the past 20 years, the number one genre of movies that have been produced in Hollywood, California, do you know the genre? Huh? Horror. I tried to find a movie to watch the other day. I got off, I got off John Wayne movies because that's what I like. I mean, it's just a rooster Cogburn. Fill your hand, you 
I like rooster. Horror. Horror. But then when we see it take place outside the abortuary, because we tuck that away. We tuck that away. There, there are, there is reason, I should say. There is reason, watch me. There is reason for the current response. My question is, where is the same outrage every day? No, 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 you're not gonna shout me down, it's okay. Where is the outrage? 4,200 lives are taken every day in this nation and we walk down the street with the ashes of aborted fetuses falling on our shoulders and there's no outrage. CNN's not running the story. Fox News isn't saying a thing about it. While we perpetuate a culture of death, a culture of the devaluing of human life. No, I'm, I'm not really preaching. I just want to talk to you. Because I'm just, I'm just amazed at what has happened since 9-11. Because after 9-11, Folks still had enough faith, belief in God, to run to God, to God's house, to God's people. Now the news reports some tragedy and half the church stay home. Yes, they do. Half the church stay home. Fear. The only counteractant to fear is faith. And faith cannot be lived where the will of God is unknown. Now let me tell you another thing. Not only have we perpetuated a culture of death. How come nobody talking about, how come nobody talking about the number of people murdered in Detroit last week? Oh, see, it's quiet because you don't, you don't know how to respond. Y'all are drinking the Kool-Aid. Nobody said anything about that. Not only last weekend, the weekend before that, and the weekend before that, and the weekend before that, because you know what we've done? We've written it off as hopeless. We are abandoning and leaving in our wake a culture of death. When you devalue human life, you should read my book, Silent No More. In fact, you ought to read several of my books. I don't know what you read. In World War II, it took them six months of hard training to get more than 10% of our soldiers 
to be willing to look at another human being and pull the trigger in war. Why? Life had value. Everybody's life. Not just your little neat, clean, fake suburban life. Not you living in a house you can't afford. Not you living in a, a car that you don't have the faith to provide so you get in cahoots with the bank to do it. And I'm not receiving an offering. We've got to come to the point that we understand we're in the kingdom. We don't have a right to choose our direction. We're in the kingdom. I'm coming. We're in the kingdom. And we have a king and he is sovereign and we are not. Here's what we have the right to do. Obey. Current believers are eaten up with the spirit, with the spirit of I know better. I mean, it's there in black and white. It's there in black and white. The fearful will find their place in the lake of fire. Don't say that preacher. How come ain't nobody preaching that? The fearful. Some so-called believers respond to 90% of the, what they do out of fear. So we try to cloister ourselves. I'll hide out at my house today. I mean, World Harvest, a big church, no telling what'll happen. It's real quiet. Nip quiet, elder. It's quiet. Now, you're not fearful. You're here. Okay, this group right here, they're here. Maybe it's where I look. Maybe that's it. You need to ask yourself right now, the decisions you're making, are they fear-based or faith-based? Fear-based or faith-based? Fear-based, faith-based. Because the fearful are unbelieving. Believers have been delivered, watch this, from the fear of what? I had the privilege of going the, the, let me say the, the sad privilege of, as far as I know, being the only preacher allowed to go to the ground floor. That's what the NYPD and the New York Fire Department told me. To go to the very bottom ground level, I believe it was eight stories underground of the World Trade Centers in New York City before they started any of the work. As far as I know, I'm the only one that went to Columbine. As far as I know, 
I'm the only one that saw that library that looked like you'd taken a paintbrush, a paintbrush, dipped it in red paint and threw it on the walls of the blood of innocent children. There was one hole big enough to step through in the wall from explosives. explosives. I, I talked to Cassie Bernal's daddy. In fact, I interviewed him for Breakthrough. She's a beautiful girl. I mean, she was something else. She was sitting just outside the door of her school and uh, having her lunch when Dylan Klebold and the other person walked up to her in their long black trench coats. She was the first person they contacted. They looked at her and they said, with a shotgun, so you're one of those Jesus people, right? What would your response be? See, as I've shared with you before, I don't think when I stand before God, He's going to look at me and say, you took this thing too seriously. I think he's going to look at a whole lot of folks and say, you weren't serious about anything but your own self-preservation, who you are and what you drive and what your appearances are. You're one of those Jesus people, see? Yes, I am. Now you can do one of two things. You can stick your head in the proverbial sand and act like things are getting better out there. and then run away and cower in fear every time something happens. Or you can be a person of immovable faith. Because let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If you have been delivered from the fear of death, there is no fear that can hold you. Because a dead person can't be depressed. Didn't hear a word I said. The great apostle Paul said it, Pastor Fias. He said, The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Be seated. Half of the people that fill these pews stayed home today. I promise you they didn't stay home in Pakistan. 
because they take their lives in their hands every time they go to church. They're saved. They're delivered from the fear of death. They're not living a life of peaceful stagnation and self-preservation. My God, tweet that. Let the whole world know I said it. Compromise will take the pressure off. But it will result in a life of peaceful stagnation. And nothing can live in stagnation. If it's not already dead, the process has begun. And we got a church. Where's my phone? We've got a church with preachers that God says, Ezekiel, let me show you a thing. And it takes him out to a valley of dead bones. Bible said a mountain heaping up out of the valley. And the book said there were very many and they were very dry. And God said, man of God, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, <laughs> I don't know. Didn't he? You have a Bible, right? He said, man of God, can these bones live? Lord, you know. What we would have done today is we would have stood just outside that mountainous valley of dry bones like this. No, wait, I think I, I didn't get more of them if we go over here. And I look skinnier if I hold it way up and I can flex my bicep. And we count dry bones as an army. So God said, prophesy to them. Now the good thing about spirits is spirits respond to the authority of God's man and his word. Spirits do. Flesh doesn't. Flesh always rebels against the word of truth. Always. That's why Paul said, when I know what I ought to do, which is good, I don't do it because evil is always present. Who shall deliver me from this body, watch me, of death? So God said, prophesy to him. And flesh came on him. Bones came to bones. Connection was made. Don't have time. Let's all connect. So we think that's getting on here. And preachers by names. 
so they can look like they have more followers. Wake up, y'all. So we think we're connected. I got 20,000 friends. You don't know them. And they don't know you. I've got a hundred thousand followers. No, you don't. If they're following you, tell them something they don't want to hear and see if they still obey. You do that with your children, but you won't do it with your spiritual authority. So then, then flesh came on them. Their light show, their music program to worship their worship. And so they take a picture of that. Look at this, man. Woo. And then God said, What do you think, Ezekiel? Well, they stood up, they came together, they got a lot of flesh. They just full of flesh. Whew, it's everywhere. What do you do with no flesh shall glory in his sight? What do you do with that? Anyone can say yes. Your character is proved when you're told no. So, God said, prophesy again. I like again. I said I like again. Because there are two definite works of grace being born again, and being filled with the Spirit. That's why God said, prophesy again, and notice who he said prophesy to, the wind. Because wind represents spirit. He said, don't try to deal with these people after their flesh, they're crazy. But if they will yield their spirit, to the word you speak, they'll live. It's, it's almost offensive to even say in the pulpit anymore. I used to preach it all the time when I was in my 20s and 30s. We got too many Miriams. You know what a Miriam is? No, see, you don't even know. A Miriam is someone who says, I'll go as long as that's the direction I choose. 
But when Moses said, no, no, we're going this way. Miriam said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Does not God speak to us also? Whether we like it or not, God arranged this thing that there are some things you can't enter into without the voice of God. God, God needed a man. So he got Moses. And he had a word that was his. But God didn't give it to them. He gave it to him. For him to give to them. We want to cut out the middleman. We don't need the apostle. We don't need the prophet. We don't need the evangelist. We don't need the pastor. We don't need the teacher. Well, I don't, I'm not going to do that because I know their faults. What does that have to do with anything? God could use Balaam's ASS if he needed to to get his word to you. Because it's not about that. It's about your ability to show your surrender to the word and the will of God. Be seated. Please. So Ephesians 3.20, right? How you doing? Good to see you. I started early so I could take a lot of time. You do? You got Ephesians 3.20 there, preacher? You know, he got his fingers all over the place. He got like, Pastor Fial's got like fingers like this in different passages. You got it? You, I was there, then I went there, then I was over there, and now I'm back here. Are you with me? I changed everything I was going to do today. I preached in Northern Ohio yesterday, some of our elders came and, and visited me, cared enough to look up my calendar and look at my schedule and say, if the man of God's gonna be an hour from here, I'm gonna go. I preached, I came home, I went straight to my study and I came out of there at 1.30 this morning with a word that I thought God had for me. And when I woke up this morning, and my phone, and my phone was going, dun, 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 dun. Pastors from Dayton, people from Dayton, people from Texas, filling up my phone. 20 people went to Walmart yesterday. How many of you been in Walmart in the last week? Well, nothing to be ashamed of. They got good deals, man. Shoot. Shoot, you can tithe more you shop at Walmart. Oh, I don't shop at Walmart. Well, then just be silly. <laughs> right? 
20 people. Stand up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I'm still counting. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Y'all come up here. Stand on these steps right in here. How many of you have been in Walmart in the last week? Yesterday. A lot of you yesterday. Saturday, big, big shopping day, right? Okay, if you've been in Walmart in the last... Are you listening, Elkhart? Because I love you. Elkhart, they love preaching like this. I'm telling you, they do. All right. On three, stand up. Get 20 people up there. Pastor Manny. All right. When I say three, if you've been in Walmart in the last week, stand up. One, two, three. Stay standing. Lay down on the floor. 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 Lay down on the steps. Just lay down. What makes you different than them? You went to Walmart. 20 of them went to Walmart. They didn't go home. You see that? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If I pointed at you, come here. Come up here. Come up in here. Lay down. That was Dayton last night. This is Chicago virtually every weekend. You would have to fill this building nearly to capacity for the human lives slaughtered by the American Holocaust of abortion yesterday and every day, 365 days a year. I just think it's time to get serious. Because let me tell you, everybody clap your hands. Thank you. Just clap your hands. Because, 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 
God spared you. He spared your children. Your mama wanted to abort you, but she had a praying mama that said no. This, this is America. And the only thing I believe, I told Elder this morning, I believe there can be a common sense consensus reached. If we would, under God, stop the hatred and stop the polarization of these conflicting extremes. Stop it. Stop it. Well, they're not like me, you Pharisee. Thank God I'm not like this one praying beside me. You are no better and no less than any living human being. In fact, if you feel you are, you are less. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what socioeconomic group you're in. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. The cross is the equalizer of men. I suggest some folks climb up on one. Deny yourself. Stop hating and judging people. Stop it. Stop it. It's what leads to this. That baby's not as valuable as that one. I've actually had people say to me, say to me, well, you know, Pastor Rod, when you're talking about the women's clinic, uh, if you show more white babies that you've saved, oh, you can't believe the stuff I hear. You would curl your toenails, as my daddy would say. Here's the most racist statement ever made. If you don't believe it, ask any person of color. Well, I have friends that are Mexican. One of my best friends in college was black. Well, let's pin you a medal.
stop it. And stop your reverse racism too. I am a white male and I'm proud of it. And if I celebrate you, you ought to celebrate me. Look at him. Can't even stand up. You love it when I point out everybody else's sin. Racism is sin. Bigotry is sin. I'm better than you is sin. Be seated. Lay down either one. Stop it, y'all. Under God, stop it. Stop it. Beg God to reach inside your heart and change it. Oh, don't pat a cake and don't look at me like you're mad at me. I've been doing this 43 years. I'm not easily intimidated. And God didn't give me a voice for them. He gave me a voice for you. Oh, we love Pastor Rod's voice till he speaks to us. You liked that, didn't you? Y'all doing all right down there? Wake up, Johnny. Johnny's like, Who is that? Is that Fiaz? <laughs> Fiaz, don't be trying to act like that's a Holy Ghost. Y'all get up. Y'all get up. Resurrection power. Get up. Somebody left their body. preacher <laughs> glory to God glory to God glory to God oh I was using that for Ezekiel wasn't I so Ezekiel prophesied to the wind right and the spirit came in. Uh, just because they came together, right? Just because they connected, just because they got some flesh, doesn't mean they're filled with the spirit. And it takes being filled with the spirit to be an effective member of the kingdom of God and of his Christ. If you don't believe that, you don't believe the New Testament. Well, in the Old Testament too. You throw Ezekiel in there, can't you? In fact, God got over into the New Covenant 
and he gave us two new gifts. Anybody know what they are? Oh, I, I, I need to teach some more. Here they are. Here they are. He gave us two new gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament that did not exist in the Old Testament. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. All seven of the other gifts were in full operation in the Old Covenant before Jesus died or the Holy Ghost was given. Hallelujah. And then God comes along and says, I'm going to mark this thing. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance or, 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 or allowed them to express their original selves. We would live so much better if we would learn to listen to our spirit as much as our flesh. Because your flesh is fearful. Your flesh is fearful. We have devalued life. Does, does it matter? You're too old. You're too old. You're a burden on society. You have Alzheimer's. You have dementia. You don't even know you're in the world, so we might as well just take you out. You're too young. You're infirm. Still the greatest nation on earth. Listen to this. See, you don't even know how to respond to that. Uh, I, I was very interested since there's been so much talk about North Korea. Uh, and I noticed something about all of the news footage and the reporting and so forth for decades and decades, because I've gone back through, of North Korea. And what struck me was, there was the most precious boy, well, he's not a boy, he's a young man, in my meeting up in uh, Bucyrus yesterday. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Up in Bucyrus yesterday, he, uh, he had uh, cerebral palsy. And he was paralyzed from the base, the top of his chest, the base of his neck down. He's, how old was he? 20, you had a picture of him? Oh, that's my buddy. That's Brandon. And uh, that's Pastor J.C. Church. Both his daughters graduated from Valor. And, uh, and that's Brandon's daddy right there. And of course, that's Sydney. And Brandon, like, paralyzed all, all the way from his collar down. He's 28, 27, 29. He's 29, but he can talk. And his cognition is just perfect. He's just, just wonderful. So the only thing he has ever watched on television 
in his 29 years, which you might imagine he watches a lot of television, is preaching. That's all he's ever watched. It's all he wants to. It's like his parents didn't make him. A few months ago, Brandon was uh, in the grocery store with his mom and dad, and he said to his mom and daddy, he said, hey, hey, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit now. He said, hey, uh, mom, dad, uh, we need to put the apples back. We need to pray for Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so right now. And she said, well, well, you know, we're in the store, we get home, and then we'll have prayer. No, he said, we need to pray right now. And his dad tried to calm him down and say, no, no, you, you know, we just need, we're ready to check. No, we need to pray now. And they wrote the time down. And one of the major leaders in Pastor J.C. Church's church was at that exact moment in a head-on car crash. At that exact moment, it was the couple that he said, we've got to pray for right now. Now, his flesh may not look like much. He may not be your color. He may not have your money. But if he's in touch with God, I want to be that in touch with God. I want God's spirit to live in me every moment of every day. I want there to be less of me and more of him every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year. I want to be more like him. So we leave it up there because what stunned me is out of all the pictures, photographs, videos throughout the decades from North Korea, you never see anybody like Brandon. You never see anyone. You never see anyone on crutches. Do you know why? Because when you're infirm, you're of no value to the state and you're done away with. Government officials from that horrible regime have escaped and told the stories. Medical doctors telling the stories. And that's horrible. But we're doing the same thing every day to unborn children. But isn't he a beautiful young man? His parents said, we, we tried to come to Dominion. We, we, and I knew what they were saying. You know what it takes to take care of a boy like that? No, you don't. Unless you've ever done it. And most of you, thank God, never have. Maybe you should be a little more compassionate.
He prays for me every day and has since he was old enough to know to pray. Every day. He gets my calendar. He said, now, when you were down in Florida, I felt the Holy Ghost was going to use you like this. And then when you were in California, I saw you doing this. And, and he said, now tell Ashton, I won't tell you what he said, but he said, now tell Ashton thus and so and thus and so and thus and so. And every bit of it was true. Every bit of it was true. He said, now Miss Joni, Miss Joni, now you let her know I'm praying and fasting for her daddy. That's something. Isn't that a thing? Yeah. I was so humbled. I wanted to watch his little crooked feet. How precious is life? All life. All life. White life and black life and Latin life and Asian life and life is precious. You don't believe it? Let somebody try to take yours. Life is precious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be seated. I told you I was just going to talk to you. Because I feel it in my heart. I don't want you to be fearful of anything. Now unto him who is able. We serve an able God. Let weakness lie limp on the shoulder of God. Our God's able. Let them throw Daniel in the lion's den. He'll reckon his position, turn his face toward Jerusalem, offer his prayer to God, pillow his head in the shaggy mane of the lion, and sleep like a baby all night long, because he had a God who was able. And that's what Michelle was so beautifully worshiping. Those beautiful words, I'm going to see my victory. Hallelujah. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. At some point, man, you come to the end of yourself. Amen. Oh. Psalm. Psalm 61. Psalm 61. I got glasses under here somewhere. Psalm 61, everybody look at it. Everybody look at it. Because there are a whole lot of folks. I had to change my message this morning. And I want to put just this in you. And I want you to hold on to it. I want you to cling to it for dear life. 
It's a Psalm of David. He wrote it. He wrote it for his favorite stringed instrument. He composed the music and the lyric. He had now ascended to the throne. He was a king. You know that from verse 6. It's a psalm that begins with a tear-filled prayer and ends with a thankful praise. And I just feel like that's where so many folk are today. You've tried and you've tried and you're still discouraged. You've fought and you've fought and you're tired of fighting. You're concerned about your kids. You're concerned about your marriage. You're concerned about your finances. You're concerned about the nation. Everywhere you look, there's turmoil. Trouble is an unwelcome visitor at your door and at your life so many times that very, very recently, if in your heart only, but probably through the expression of your words as well, you have cried out, I can't take it anymore. I've got a few honest folk. I just can't take it. How much can God expect one person to bear up under? And let me share this with you. If you haven't prayed it, you need to get to a point, and God, I assure you, will get you to a point where you will be required to. Michelle said it this morning. This is it. I'm at the end of myself. I can't take one more thing. Or I'm going to lose. I give. I go to church. I love my wife. I love my kids. I'm about to go, afraid to go to the movie anymore. My God, if we stop going to Walmart, we're not going to have any clothes, dog food, nothing. Right? Am I talking to anybody? I'm going to quit here in a minute. I'd like to see the hand of every person in this building that in the last three to six months has made that statement or one similar to it. I don't know how much more I can take. Oh, look. And I'm not going to tell you that when you get delivered from this present circumstance, that you're not going to face it again. And the preacher that will tell you that is not being intellectually. Uh, thank you, Professor Mark. Thank you for coming tomorrow or yesterday and supporting me. It was wonderful to see you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Elders Yoder and Elders Christian. Saw a whole lot of folks. It was wonderful. And uh, let me see your hand again. Yeah. I just, 
I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? Hey, it's good to see you guys. I haven't seen you for a while. Give me a hug. Come on. Give me a hug. I love you. I love you. Amen. Praise God. I, I love you. I imagine a few times in Jerry's situation, you just said, I, I don't know if I can take it another day. Yes, sir. Screaming in the car sometimes to the Lord and then feeling so bad for saying it. Yeah, well, don't feel bad because, like, you're not hidden from him. <laughs> he knows it whether you scream it out or not. And quite frankly, he'd rather you scream it out. I'll prove that to you. I hate to break this on you. Our Father loves it when we can't take it anymore. Because he's a good, good Father. That's who he is. That's who he is. And I am loved by him. That's who I am. That's who I am. I said he's a good, good Father. We've got his word on it. He will not allow us to be tempted above that which we can bear. I got news for you. You're going to make it. Here's how I know. Because you've proven it over and over and over and over and over. If you never thought you'd be here today with a right mind, I dare you to shout. Now shout because it wasn't true. David, David has just been through the rebellion of Absalom. They're always Absaloms. They're always Absaloms. Trying to usurp the throne, trying to usurp authority. Rebellious, self-centered, self-interested. Absalom. Things have gotten so bad for David that he says, here, I need the psalm, honey. I've asked three times. I want the psalm. Look at David now. This is the cry of a banished king. David has been banished. He's separated from his throne. 
he separated from his family. He separated from everything that he knew and loved. But here's the part that freaks me out. That's not why he's praying this prayer. He's praying this prayer for one reason and one reason only. He's been cut off from the temple of God. Let me break it down for you. He can't get to church. And he is in such consternation that he can't be in Sunday morning service. That his heart is wrenching within him. He's weeping. And he cries out, Hear my cry. Is that a baby? Okay, victory. I just need to know if it's a baby. Make sure it's not a Cabbage Patch doll or something. Bring the child to me. Look, look. Family going to pick up their baby, husband and wife, in the nursery. And the wife, like out in the hallway, hears, and I mean, there are 10 babies crying. It's a nursery. But she said, wait, 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 wait. That's victory crying. And the husband said, what? How you know? Out of all these cries, of all these one-year-olds, that you can pick out that one. She said, hey, dude, you may be his daddy, but they had to cut him out of me. Do you understand you're born of God? Do you understand that right now, in the middle of your mess, he can pick your cry out over every other cry? Verse 2. From the end of the earth, You can't get any further away than that. David said, if I can't get to church, I might as well be at the far end of the earth, away from God. I've got to get there. I've got to get to the tabernacle. I've got to get to the temple full of those flawed people, full of all those people that don't look like me. Some of them don't even smell like you. But I got to get there. Because that's the dwelling place of God. And I got to get there and worship with his saints. And I got to get there and pray. And I got to get there in his presence. But here's good news. You may be at the end of the earth. You may be at the end of life. You may be at the end of yourself. You may be at the end of your wits. You may be ready to throw in the towel, but there is no distance between you and God when you cry. I can't preach it all.
from the end of the earth, I will cry to you. Weeping cannot quench prayer. Your distress should not quench your prayer. It should quicken your prayer. Look what he says is, is my heart, God. Is my heart that's overwhelmed. That's where America is. That's where the church is. That's where you are. Your heart's overwhelmed. This is not something that can be taken care of with some NyQuil. It's not something that can be cured by a good night's sleep. People right now are working at their play harder than they work at their work. They're gonna come home from their third vacation way more tired than when they left. Because we work at our play and play at our work. Tweet that. People say to me all the time, why don't you take a vacation? What do I want to go work for? I mean, if that helps you, God bless you. But my heart's overwhelmed within me. A good night's sleep won't help me. Huh? You know, a walk in the park. Not going to deal with that. Because it's not your head. Your heart, your spirit is overwhelmed within you. I cried, lead me. <laughs> no, but we always pass over, lead me. Guess what that means? You can't get to the rock. You don't know where to find the rock. It's too high. Book said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Have you seen it? Look how high he is. You can't get there. I know I'll be out hunting and I'll see a big beautiful elk two mountaintops old and sit there with a map and try to figure out how can I get up there because there's a river down there and there's a rock slide over there and there's an impassable canyon over there and that's full of caves how am I going to get there but I've never been in one of those situations past the dawn that I didn't have beside me a guide. And the guide had said, look here, here's what we're about to do. We're about to go here, and then we're going to jog over here, and then I'm going to meet them, and they're going to come over there, and then we're going to go over there. We'll be there in about two hours and 14 minutes. You got a guide that'll lead you to the rock that is higher than you. He's higher than your trouble. He's higher than your fear. 
He's higher than your bigotry. He's higher than your mess. He's higher than your sickness. Watch this. For you have been a shelter for me. Present faith from past victories. If he did it before, he'll do it once more. God will do it over again. I dare you to shout, go ahead, Jesus. Go ahead, Jesus. Just bless me again. Come on. Go ahead. Oh, you get tired of me. Go ahead, Jesus. Lift me up out of this pit. Go ahead, Jesus. We've been here before. Go ahead, Jesus. I remember the lion. Go. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day. And for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.